Please pray with me. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. The fourth Sunday of Easter in all three years of the church's lectionary takes us to, uh, to a portion of the 10th chapter of John's gospel account, sometimes called Jesus' Good Shepherd Discourse, and it's for that reason that we call this day, the fourth Sunday of Easter, Good Shepherd Sunday. We're in year A of the lectionary cycle, and so we're hearing the, the opening of John chapter 10, the first 10 verses in that uh, chapter, uh, but we don't actually hear Jesus call himself the good shepherd in these first 10 verses. Instead, what we hear Jesus saying is that he is the gate through which the sheep will come and go and find their salvation. Jesus talks about sheep who recognize the voice of their gatekeepers, and he talks about strangers, thieves, bandits who try their best to get the sheep but are unsuccessful. It's not actually until verse 11 and the reading assigned for year B of the lectionary cycle that we hear Jesus call himself the good shepherd. I am the gate, Jesus says today. The fake gatekeepers, the fake shepherds only want to steal and kill and destroy, but I offer life. Shepherds, fake shepherds, bandit shepherds, Jesus talks about in our reading for today, and that's what I want to spend some time thinking about with you all this morning, how we can at times succumb to the temptation to chase after those fake shepherds who make promises but cannot deliver. There's a story that Fred Craddock tells, not about a sheep or a shepherd, but about a greyhound dog. Craddock was for a long time the professor of preaching at the Candler School of Theology at Emory at Atlanta, and he says that he was visiting the home of one of his former students, and after a, a great a great dinner with the family. The family, the parents, excused themselves for a few minutes so that they could put their children down to sleep. And while they were gone, Craddock says that uh, they left him alone in the living room of their house with their family pet, a large greyhound dog. And Craddock says that he knelt down and started to pet the dog and stroke the dog, and then he started up a conversation with the dog. He said that the dog looked up him and said, I understand that this is your first time in Connecticut, to which Craddock responded, yes, it's, it's beautiful here. And the dog said, yes, it's, it's very nice, but it's not as nice as Miami where I'm from. And Craddock said to the dog, oh, yeah, I heard that you used to live in Miami, that you were a, a racing dog. And the greyhound said, yes, I, I was, but, but I quit. And Craddock said, well, well, why did you quit? Why in the world would you do something like that? Was it because they didn't treat you well down there in Miami? And the greyhound responded, oh no, they treated me wonderfully. They gave me lots of treats. They brushed me every day. They fed, they fed me the best food, but, but that's not why I quit. Did you not like racing, Craddock said to the dog. The dog said, oh no, I, I loved feeling the wind blowing in my face. Craddock said, well, why, why did you quit? Was it because you never, you never won a race? And the dog said, oh no, I was a a winner. I won all the time. I won lots of trophies and lots of money for my owner. And then Craddock asked one more time, well, well, why did you quit then? And he said the dog paused for a few moments and then looked up him and said, well, I was running and running and running every day. And then one day I realized that I was chasing a fake rabbit. How much time and energy 
do we spend in our lives chasing after rabbits that aren't real? How much time and energy do we spend following those who make promises they can't keep, who offer us this or that to get our allegiance, to get our vote, to get our loyalty, only to disappoint us? I think those are the the thieves and the bandits about whom Jesus speaks today. Sure, they might be able to offer us a decent life, maybe even a good life, but at what cost will we have to sacrifice some of our morals, some of our ethics in order to live that good life? If that's the case, we might want to reconsider who we are following. Jesus, on the other hand, speaks to us today and tells us this, I came that they, that you, may have life and have it abundantly. I heard a minister say once that the key to understanding this passage from John chapter 10 is to remember two things. Number one, you belong. And number two, you are loved. You belong and you are loved. And I think he's right. The message not only of this gospel reading, but also the message that runs all throughout the Bible is just that. We belong and we are loved. And if we are part of a a faith community or some other group that seeks to exclude or ostracize or harm others for any reason, then we might want to ask ourselves what sort of shepherd or gatekeeper or leader we are following. For I think that's, that's one of the things we're asked to consider on Good Shepherd Sunday. If there is a good shepherd, then that means there must be bad shepherds, those who want to trick or fool or pull the wool over the eyes of their sheep, their followers. One only needs to open the newspaper or turn on the television to learn about some of those bad shepherds, those bad leaders. They're in the church, they're in politics, they're in business, they're in just about every profession in the world who seek not the good of those who are following them, but simply their own good and their own well-being. We can probably all think of a number of different individuals who fit into this category. These are the bad shepherds. These are the strangers that we are warned about in today's gospel reading. If, if we're not careful, they just might succeed in leading us astray. It's interesting and important to note that the people to whom Jesus is speaking in today's gospel reading, he's, he's talking to the religious leaders. He's not talking to his disciples. He's talking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees in particular. The Good Shepherd discourse in John chapter 10 follows directly after Jesus' healing of the man born blind in John chapter 9. We heard that story a few weeks ago uh, on the fourth Sunday of Lent. The blind man, if you remember, is, is healed and taken to the Pharisees who refuse to believe that Jesus could do such a thing because he is, as they say, a sinner and a blasphemer and therefore cannot be from God. And it's at the end of that long story that Jesus accuses the Pharisees of being the ones who are truly blind since they cannot see God when God is standing right in front of them. Jesus then launches immediately into this discord about sheep and gates and shepherds. The Pharisees who have interrogated the blind man in John chapter 9 are supposed to be the shepherds of Israel, those who care for and protect and nourish the people. And instead, we're told that they expel this healed man from their community. They are more concerned, it seems, about guarding their own power and their own authority than about the well-being of their people. They are the bad shepherds. I should pause here for just a moment and remind you that, that while Jesus calls these particular Pharisees bad shepherds, he isn't calling all of the Jewish religious leaders bad shepherds or condemning the entire Jewish faith. It's important to remember that Jesus was a a faithful Jew. Nearly all of his first followers were faithful Jews, and he is not speaking out against Judaism. 
He was not doing that, and we should be careful that we don't do that when we hear or read these texts. It's so easy to spend our lives, I think, following leaders who make grand promises but never follow through. It's easy to spend our lives chasing after rabbits that aren't real. It's easy to spend our lives listening to the voice of a bad shepherd and missing the voice of the good shepherd who calls us each by name. And so how are we to tell the difference? I think we start by looking to see how the shepherd treats others, particularly those who are forgotten or ignored or pushed aside. If, if our shepherd doesn't seem very concerned with those individuals, then we've probably been hoodwinked by a bandit. If our shepherd is only concerned with making herself or himself great on the backs of the sheep, then we've probably fallen prey to a thief among us. In short, the voice of the bad shepherd is one that scatters and one that divides and one that pulls apart. I think of the leaders of ISIS or Al-Qaeda when I think of bad shepherds, leaders who have distorted their faith so as to harm and kill other people. These individuals are nothing more than bandits and murderers, and they care not for their sheep in spite of what they say. They have distorted a religion of peace, and they are seeking not to gather the flock but to lead them away. Nancy Rockwell, a religion commentator, says that, that in the U.S. these days, she sees bad shepherds in the alt-right movement, those, those individuals who are stoking violence and anger, using the current political situation in this country to fur, further racial animus, telling the country that our way of life, that is the, the life of the privileged white people, is in danger unless we do something. These individuals are bandits and liars, she writes, and she warns against giving them a public medium to spout their hatred. We should be very leery of those who simply want to play off of fear. Bad shepherds scatter and pull down and abuse and destroy because they are concerned only with themselves, and we're warned to stay away from them today. Conversely, the good shepherd is one who lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. It's the good shepherd who tells us and the other sheep who are members of other flocks that that we belong, that we matter, that we are loved. Today, Jesus draws the contrast between the gatekeeper who is always committed to watching over the sheep and the thieves, the bandits, and the strangers who are ultimately concerned only with themselves. Jesus says later on in John chapter 10 that when hardship comes, those individuals will vanish. When danger arrives, those bandits run to save themselves and forget about their flock. Good Shepherd Sunday is all about reminding us that we believe in a God who was willing to sacrifice his own life to show the world that that they, that we, belong. When Jesus says, I am the gate, he's not saying that his way is exclusive, that those inside the gate are good and those outside the gate are bad. No, I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he calls himself the gate and the gatekeeper because he seeks to draw us together, to rally our strengths, to build us up, to remind us that we are loved so that we can love others. Jesus is gathering us so that we can become a community, the beloved community, as Dr. King called it. We get a a glimpse of that beloved community uh, in our first reading from the book of Acts. The believers lived together. They took care of each other. They cared for those who were in need. The community into which we have been called is one of love. But that love comes with a cost. It means that we might have to let go to stop following those bandits who are seeking to lead us astray with promises of the good life. 
The promise of the good shepherd, the promise of Jesus, is life and life abundant. There was a song that came out in the 60s, a little before I was born, called Shoop, Shoop, Shoop. Does anyone remember that song by Betty Everett? I heard a couple of (laughs) words over here. I'll admit that it was a little before my time, but my father is a big fan of music from the 50s and 60s, and, and in that song, Shoop, 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 Betty sings, does he love, and I won't sing it, does he love me, I want to know, how can I tell if he loves me so, do you all remember it now? It's in, is it in his eyes, oh no, you'll be deceived, is it in his sighs, oh no, he'll make believe, if you want to know if he loves you so, it's in his kiss, that's where it is, do you all remember that song now? I don't know why it's called Shoop, 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 I'm not sure why. <laughs> the way we know that we have been loved is by his kiss, sings Everett. When Christ, the good shepherd, speaks to us, he gathers us, he reminds us that we belong. The voice of the good shepherd calms us and it rallies our strength. It sustains us in sorrow. It kindles hope when all seems hopeless. It finds us when we are lost. You could say, I might say, that Christ's voice is like a kiss. And when we hear his voice, we know that we are loved. Amen.